I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Good, how are you? Tip top. Good. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you guys. Well, thanks for making time for thanks it. For coming on. Now, where, where are you headed for the podcast? Oh, we got a ton of stuff to do. We're running errands. Um, we are going to like Camping World, and then we're going to go to dinner tonight because in Tennessee, everything's open back up. So we're pretty. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Where are you guys at? Ocan, Washington. Oh, Ocompton. Yes. We're still locked in Compton. So, a buddy of mine is from the Tri Cities, Finley, Washington. You know where that is? Yeah. I don't know where Finley is. I do know. We call it the Dry Shitty. (laughs) The Dry Shitty. Never rains, and it's not a nice place. (laughs) The Tri Cities. Yeah. You you, you played up here, right? Yeah, I played at UW, won a Rose Bowl there. That was fun. And I was uh, I was in Spokane a, a while, man, and uh, spent some time in Pullman to party with the Cougars. It was a good time. Oh, God. <laughs> and then now now in Tennessee, baby. Yeah. Where did you study at UW? Um, when I left, I was in communication at UW. It was uh, sociology, basically the easiest degree I could so I could drink beer and play football. Nice. There you go. <laughs> My colleague was at UW. He's about your age, too, but depends on, obviously, large school. So. All, all, I want to do is, uh, player. all I want to do is drink beer, play football, and uh, see good-looking women. And I went three for three. Woo, there's my wife. <laughs> I almost made a joke, actually. Like, why don't you just turn the camera to your wife? I saw your Instagram. She looks prettier than you. But I was like, I don't know this guy <laughs> right? that well. But she's way hey. she's way better looking than me. I outkick the coverage. A lot more. Now, hair too. For, I was gonna say for yeah. the uh, I know right <laughs> for the uh, for the podcast right now. Do you does it just stay like this? Like I won't move the yep. camera too much like that. But is it recorded to where you guys show it like on Facebook Live or anything? Video too, or is it just audio? No, we usually just do audio. We might do some screen grabs from this, or yeah, the, we kind of force. Okay, cool. Just now. Yeah, so I saw your your shave. Look at the state of this. Just a full afro going like you, here. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Do you know how to get to Camping World? Do you know how to get to Camping World? <laughs> Her and I are going to Camping so World. So if you first. guys haven't, yeah, if you haven't figured it out already, we're recording with somebody who is in their car driving to Camping World with his blonde wife. So we Wait, can- you're already recording? Yes. <laughs> some of the 
Some oh, of the best man. material we get is when people don't know we're recording. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Stephen, why don't you do intros? And let's kick this thing off so you can get, get to camping world here. We don't have to keep him in the car for too long. Well, yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining us on another episode of Ordinary to Extraordinary. Another one we're recording remotely, and we decided to go from one corner of the country to the other corner of the country and record with a colleague of mine. We both work at Heartland, but he does it a little bit differently from me in the payroll world. And he's also somewhat of a celebrity, Mr. Matt Rogers. You might know him from such TV shows as American Idol or um, the uh, Gold Rush. On Is that on History or is that on Discovery? Discovery Channel. Discovery Channel. So Matt's going to talk with us a little bit today about all the facets of his life and success here, there, and everywhere. And, you know, share some good insight, I'm sure, into leadership, business, philosophy, sports. And we're going to have a good time doing it, right, Matt? Absolutely. Appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on. Yeah, so why don't we so start? I say, it looks talk. like... Uh... Matt is just the CEO of Funtown. When I look at his freaking pictures and stuff, and he's like <laughs> out there, it looks like he's like an auctioneer in like a cowboy hat or something like that out there just hooping and hollering. I'm like, this guy looks like he has way too much fun. I love it, man. We do, we do have a good time. Yeah. We definitely have a good time. It's not fun. Oh, yeah. um, when did you move to Nashville? Moved to Nashville in 2016, grew up, born and raised in California, and then uh, California had a uh, shortstop at the University of Iowa, played football for a year there, and then when Hayden Fry retired, I got a uh, full ride and a transfer to the University of Washington, redshirted my fifth-year senior there, or fourth-year senior there, and then started as a fifth-year senior, so I lived two and a half years in Seattle, one year in Iowa City. Uh, grew up in California, and then me and the family decided to move to Nashville four years ago. And uh, we've been here, and best move we ever made. We absolutely love it. Our only regret is we didn't do it 10 years ago. So it's it's been a very positive move. Yeah, cool. Good. Awesome. So yeah. let's um, – Do you want to uh, – We're muted. Oh. There you muted. Go ahead. Oh. No, I'm, I'm looking at right you. Oh, it just cut out, but – yeah, it keeps muting you, Matt. You're muted. Or is it just your phone that's muting? Oh, there you are. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm good. You're back. Yeah, so that was like a brief background. So let's um, start with, uh, you obviously work for Heartland. And you and I, we had emailed a while back and, and you had responded to me saying that Heartland's what pays the bills and everything else is kind of your fun money, right? So let's talk about that a little bit about what you do in the payroll world, why you do it, and then how do you mix both the professional corporate world and your stuff you do with TV and traveling around the country, auctioning off with celebrities and all that stuff. Yeah. I just, I mean, I just, it's more of like diversifying my income streams. Right. So it's like, and what is going on right now is a perfect example. So, um, you know, I, I grew up with phenomenal parents, uh, but a lot of times, you know, financially I'd, I'd watch, uh, I'd watch him struggle a little bit. My dad, worked his butt off as an insulator doing construction. And as long as the construction was good, the house was good. And I just remember at a really young age that uh, when it came to money, I didn't want to struggle. And the more self-development I realized, the more that, you know, that I read and I researched, I knew that multiple streams of income, residual income 
was, uh, would create true wealth for me and my family. So I never wanted to pigeonhole myself into one avenue stream of income. My wife and I, over the years, uh, we were leaders in a couple different network marketing companies. We do not do network marketing now. Um, but I always liked the idea of passive residual income and different avenue streams of making that income possible. So uh, in 2004, when I was a finalist on American Idol, from there I got into hosting television shows. So entertainment was definitely something that I loved to do. And it was lucrative, but, you know, I would only get paid when I would show up and when I would work. So from there, I would constantly, you know, stay in the payroll industry, which was my background. So I was able to do payroll and host television shows. And then recently, about five years ago, I got into uh, nonprofits and, and helping different charities raise their money or raise more money. So basically, when you go to a gala or something, whether... Uh, no matter what the organization is, they need to raise a certain amount of money. I'm the guy that goes on stage, sells the items and, and helps nonprofits raise money. So fast forward to today, when we're in a world where events, entertainment has basically been shut down, Hollywood, nothing is in production right now, except for maybe like Voice and American Idol who are doing it virtually. Uh, and nonprofits, no one is having galas, no one's having events. There's no concerts going on right now. So I thank God every day that I have my payroll business because uh, Hollywood and events is basically dead right now. So this is a perfect example mm. of why multiple streams of income is so necessary because I have so many good friends that are just tied to that world. And, you know, if you were to talk to them in February of this year, they said, I'm going to make more money than I've ever made in my life. You talk to them at the end of March, they're saying, I don't know how in the hell I'm going to pay my main mortgage. So you yeah. just never know when life can turn on you. And that's why I always thought it was wise to have those multiple streams of income. Solid advice. So how, yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into the entertainment business? That's like an interesting, I mean, I don't know many kids. Like, I think I'd like to grow up and host the gold rush. Like, how did that come about? That, I just remember at a young age, you know, we would have the cassette players. So I, I always loved to make people laugh. Like that was my, my thing, whether it was my parents, brothers, sisters, cousins, kids at school. I just loved to make people laugh. I always was the class clown. I loved to be the butt end of the joke, you know, and I, I never had a problem making fun of myself or other people like laughing at me. Like I liked to be laughed at. So I remember at a kid, as a kid, I would, you know, push record on the cassette player and I would host my own Saturday Night Live, you know, shows on my little cassette, t uh, you know, tape. And I'd have <laughs> special guests, my brother, special guests, my cousin. And I would just do little skits. So I always liked doing that. And then growing up, I was always in the church plays and the school plays, even though like I wasn't like a drama geek, if that's what you will. Like that wasn't me because I loved sports, but I loved entertainment too so uh when i graduated from university of washington in 01 i got a normal job doing uh loans refinancing that sort of thing as kind of a loan officer and that's where i met my wife and one of the buddies that we worked with uh he knew someone who was a security guard at american idol basically said you need to try out and that's how it i was like all right i'll, I'll try out because like i would sing in church plays and stuff but I don't know how to play an instrument. I don't know how to read music. And I just tried out kind of like on a whim. 
and I showed up and I just made it past the auditions and I kept going and going. And then finally, you know, I was a finalist and was there with like Fantasia, Jennifer Hudson, who I knew were better singers than me. So I vocally, I had no chance at beating those girls, but I knew that I could entertain people and make people laugh. And I loved hosting and stuff like that. So when I got voted off, they said, what do you want to do? And I told Seacrest, I'm like, man, I want to do what you do. Help me out. And he said, I can't get you a job, but I can get you in the room. And I said, dude, just get me in the room. And then from there, that's how I took off. My first hosting gig was as a sideline commentator in 2005 for Turner Sports. I was uh, the sideline commentator for college football. So I would follow USC and the University of Texas all the way up to, you know, the Rose Bowl, which was arguably one of the greatest Rose Bowls in history. Undefeated USC, undefeated Texas Longhorns. And I did that whole season for both teams all the way there. It was awesome. <laughs> so I have two things. Two things. And these are, first off, I, I have a little bit more respect for Matt because I see he's writing the GM product. So I, I'm a fan yeah, of, yeah. of uh, Chevy's and GMC. So Denali, like it. I got the high country there so I like yeah. yeah but second second is i was doing a little digging on you and this is coming back from the past so i'm not sure if it's something you want people to talk about or not but there was an album that was released of christmas songs something rated xmas or something like that can you can you oh, expand God. maybe seeing something from rated xmas that is not this matt rogers there are <laughs> there, there's there's three Matt Rogers on the internet. Because that would be awesome if you could. <laughs> no, there's one guy that, you know, made like Matt Rogers, you know, marry triple Xmas. So he does like, I mean, as silly as it sounds, it, it's true. And it's a thing. Oh, I lost you guys visually, but you can still hear me, right? Yeah. I can still hear you. Oh, you're okay. back. Yeah. So it's a real thing. Like there's a Matt Rogers out there that does like Christmas porn. And it's like, you know, I saw mommy blinking Santa Claus and jingle balls and all this stuff. Like, it's, it's a real thing, but it's not me. So I, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, my me. God, if this is this guy. Well, it, 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 no. so in Google, it's actually attached to you with your wiki page. It's actually attached as one of your albums. <laughs> oh, jeez. That, I was that like, oh, real good for my, uh, that'll be real good for my Christian fan base for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Good. Yeah. Well, hey, when you're reading a Bible verse too, it, yeah. I think oh, a lot of people assume terrible. the second you're on TV, you're loaded, right? That's kind of the way it goes. It's like, oh, he's on TV. Um, you've obviously done very well for yourself with diversification. So, what's the expectations been of people? Like, with you being on TV, does it change people around you that you've known for a long time? Do you do you find that? people that weren't close to you but thought they were close to you are suddenly shown back up and, and looking for favors and things like that? That's a really good question. Uh, I noticed that a lot when I was on TV and when I was on American Idol. Like for me, the, the, the height of my celebrity, I think, was when I, when I was an actual finalist on the show and everybody was my best friend. Like people that were even mean to me in high school. <laughs> uh, would show, oh yeah, that's my buddy. I went to high school with him, and you know, just people—they don't necessarily ask for money or anything, but it's more of like the underlying assumption, like, oh well, you don't need it, uh, you know, like 
it could be as silly as I'll never forget when I was, I was in a fantasy football league and I love fantasy football and it was right after American Idol and I won and the winner was supposed to get like 1500 bucks. Well, the guy didn't pay me. And then a month goes by and then another month and, and I'm like, Hey dude, can I have my money? Like, and he goes, well, you don't need it. And I was like, wait, what? Like, well, and then it was almost kind of like I was the jerk. Like, well, well, what do you need the 1500 bucks for? Like, well, I need it more than you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 dude. Like, so uh, underlying stuff like that kind of changed. Um, people do treat you different. Like um, another story was because um, when I was on American Idol, uh, she was just my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now. There she is. Love you, babe. She hates being on camera. She's the opposite of me. She hates it. So her and I. She just. Oh, I thought she was going to uh, give you the hello Hitler sign. Yeah. Yeah, but here's here's the truth. In high school, I was short, fat, chubby, and slow. Like I, you know, not that I'm good looking now because I don't think I'm that, you know, good looking at all. But I, I really wasn't good looking in high school at all. Like again, short, fat, chubby, not great. Not a great combo. So I wasn't necessarily the ladies' man, if you will, in high school. Well, fast forward to 2004, I get a little taller, get a little skinnier, you know, and, oh, by the way, you're on the biggest TV show in America. Well, all the girls who really didn't talk to me in high school (laughs) now all of a sudden are like my friends. So I never forget I was at a wedding with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and there was like three or four girls that I went to high school with that really didn't even know my name in high school. And now all of a sudden, like they were talking to me, they were like rubbing my shoulder, you know, instead of Matt, they're calling me like Maddie and no one ever calls me. I'm like, that's just weird yeah. for a girl to call me that. And I'll never forget, like, you know, my wife, girlfriend at the time was like, Hey dude, you need to relax. Like this guy's going to be my husband and blah, 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 blah. So like she laid into him, which was funny. It's kind of like, the girls who didn't give me, you know, two minutes in high school, now all of a sudden are like, oh, I've known you forever. And, oh, Maddie and I go way back. And it's like, no, not, not really. <laughs> not really yeah. What's your name again? Funny to me, not again? to her. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't, she, yeah. she's not laughing, is she? Yeah. No. <laughs> you, just, you just reminded but her that the women out. wanted you, right? Yeah. So, uh, But that's what I love about her, though, because she is definitely not fake, like, She'll tell you, she'll tell it like it is, which is good when it comes to marriage. If I'm doing something that she doesn't agree with, she'll say like, hey, you think that's the best decision for our family? Because I don't. I'll be like, yes, dear. Well, <laughs> yeah. your, your stories on Instagram always crack me up. When you, when you sneak attack her with a camera and she doesn't want to be on it, that's, that's some funny stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have some fun mm-hmm. with that. So I actually have a question, and this is going to be fun huh? since your wife is in the car too. Because one of the questions well, I ask she a can't lot, hear you. You're 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 in my ear. I know, she can't but hear she's going to so hear your answer. Her. She's going to hear your answer. Okay. She's going to wonder what you're talking about. So that's she'll what's going to make it even better. Okay, <laughs> excited. So one of the things that I ask people, and I have, I'm married with a son, right? And so when you're working and you have extracurricular activities and you're, you know, trying to balance the family. I was like, how do you do it all? Or, or maybe you don't do it effectively. But are there certain traits or things that you found? I mean, because you're having to travel for hosting shows, you're busy with work, you're busy with the family, you're going to Camping World, Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if we'll have time. <laughs> how do you balance it all? Um, honestly, and I'm not just saying this, 
she's the balancer. So I'm very uh, fly by the seat of my pants, very spontaneous, and I will say yes to everything. She won't necessarily do the opposite, but she's very planned. She's very methodical. She's very wise in terms of pre-planning your day, pre-planning your week. And so that keeps me balanced a lot. So when, when we first got married, honestly, I would say those were some of our biggest fights. I had 10 things scheduled. And she's like, dude, you schedule 10 things when your time only allows for four things. Oh, don't worry. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. And I would mess things up because I would do 10 things at 10% instead of one thing at a hundred percent, or maybe two things at 50%. So over the years, her and I have really gotten a good rhythm down to where I'm smart enough now to run pretty much everything, if not most important things by her. And she'll tell me pretty much yes or no. That's a good idea. That's not a good idea. Or if we disagree on something, then we'll talk about it. And, you know, I think that goes 50, 50, although she would say that I get my way more, <laughs> but I think it's 50, 50. <laughs> but yeah, those were, some, those were some of our biggest fights. And then still even today, you know, some of our arguments is like, dude, why did you commit us to this without asking me? And like, you can't do that. And so we, we make it all work through my drive and her organization. And so she puts your blinders really on and keeps, keeps you, keeps you looking forward and straight, not getting sidetracked. Absolutely. So one of the things that Good I woman. I brag on Heartland all the time, Matt, and I know you're the same. So I'm, I'm, I never expect to have another job in the rest of my life. I'm going to retire a Heartlander. I'm going to retire young. I'm going to retire wealthy. I tell everybody this. Um, but I'm curious your take on our leadership. So I brag on it. I've said my piece. Without any influence from me, can you talk about our company culture and what draws you to it and what you... Without any influence other than the fact you just said you brag on it? Well, he doesn't need to brag on it. If he thinks it's suck, he can see the suck. I won't tell him. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's, here's what I would say, and it comes down to the founding fathers, if you will, at Harlan. Our credo is entrepreneurs respectively serving entrepreneurs. So as long as our leadership doesn't change our comp plan and doesn't handcuff my ability to be an entrepreneur, then... I will be very, very satisfied with our leadership. The day that you give me a quota or, you know, certain things that I'm going to, certain things that I'm going, you know, certain regulations that I would have to meet, like your typical corporate America job, you know, Mm -hmm. quotas, reports, stuff like that, that is not my thing. The whole reason that I work for Heartland and that Heartland works for me as a sales rep is because of the freedom because it's, you know, four o'clock and I can go to camping world with my wife. Now with that, if you're a turd and you don't do anything, then you don't have a lot of freedom and you probably won't last very long at Heartland. So I always say Heartland is not for the average sales rep. It's not for the faint of heart. I believe that the best of the best in credit card payments, merchant services, e-com and payroll I believe the best in the country are at Heartland because the average to below average that come to Heartland, they don't last. And at Heartland, we have, we have a great deal of turnover of, of reps and it's not because the good ones are upset and leaving. It's because the bad to average ones don't last. So 
as long as that doesn't change, um, I'm very pleased with our leadership. The worst thing that our leadership could do would be to change our comp plan or to change our credo. And I haven't seen that yet. So until that happens, I'm with you, Stephen. I, I think our leadership's fantastic. That's, that's a good answer. Um, you know, I just wanted to hear someone else's take on it, you know, not on a company call, something that quite frankly, most Heartlanders won't hear or see, um, you know, just, I know why I'm here and I know the things that I look for. And it's similar to you, you know, we've, we've had a lot of internal change over the last four years, five years being acquired, um, you know, keeping our, our credo and our motto is, is essentially a, a subsidiary of a larger company. Uh, you know, and when you pay, I always used to tell people like, when they asked, like, what if they change everything? And I said, well, you know, Global didn't go out and spend $4 billion with a B to change what we were doing. They bought us because they saw something that they liked. Um, you know, and quite frankly, a lot of the people that left because of that purchase, they were middle, middle of the road performers that didn't want to meet certain standards anyway. So yeah, I, I'm over the mm -hmm. moon. And, and your answer pretty much in a different set of words says exactly how I feel about the company. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny you say that. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're coming to the tail end of the, the last dance with Michael Jordan. You know, a lot of us have watched that. Like, the only way you can screw that up is if you go in there and screw that up. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you basically, it, it doesn't matter who the next person is that comes in you know, for, you know, the mid 90s Chicago Bulls, just leave it alone because it's working. Same thing with Harlan. Like if Global's going to buy this thing, just it'll, it'll keep working. It'll keep growing as long as you don't screw it up. So mm -hmm. uh, the best leadership sometimes are the ones that leave their top people alone. And I kind of feel like that's where we're at with Harlan. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about this more, and Ben might glaze over. Glenn is, sorry, Ben is not a sports fan in the least, but you just you just mentioned the last dance. I've been like a kid in a candy store. I know what it is. The last five Sundays, the first Sunday, and I got to share this. I actually put my AJs on and had a basketball sitting on my bed watching this like a teenager again. It was it was so awesome. Um, but you mentioned, yeah. and I looked at. What you're talking about there is exactly what they, they did with Rodman multiple times, right? When he buggered off to Vegas, when he went and did the NWO thing yeah. with Hulk Hogan, they knew that's what you're going to get with him. Is he a little erratic? Is he going to, is he going to piss some people off? Yeah. But guess what? We know what we get from him when he's at, at work, when he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's pulling down rebounds. He's, he's going to the floor and doing the dirty work that nobody else will do. And what you just described made me think of that from the last dance. Absolutely, <laughs> Leave him alone and let him do what he's good at. Yeah. Are you still doing the TV stuff like on the far side of this? How is, you talked about how COVID's affected it. Like what's your plan post COVID? Like everything will go back to normal. Do you have TV gigs lined up or is everything just sort of uh, in the air juggling just now? For, for television, it, it's different because um, you have to find the right show for you. Plus I've changed a lot since I started 15 years ago shows that I would have taken 15 years ago. I won't take today. For instance, one of my first big shows was on discovery channels called really big things where I would travel around the world. I'd go to Dubai, I'd go to Germany, France, you know, England, 
and I would do the largest structures in the world. Uh, today, I don't know if there's an amount of money they could pay me to do that. Like, I'm not interested in leaving Tennessee and leaving my family for, you know, 30 out of 45 days like I did when we were first married. At that time, it worked for us. But today, you know, we got three kids and we like to travel. We got a fifth wheel and, you know, getting in our fifth we wheel and driving two hours. Yeah, we got a pool. It's like, dude, my kids, are, pool boy. You know, they're not even yeah. teenagers yet. Yeah, like that's happiness to me. So it doesn't really matter how much money a TV show would pay me to, to travel. I wouldn't do it. For, for me to do a television show now would have to be something in Nashville within normal business hours that uh, didn't distract from payroll too much. So it's, it's going to be really hard for someone like me to find a TV show that I would want to do right now at this point in my life. I told my wife, I I feel like I have one more big show in me. If, If I had a crystal ball, I would say, when my, when my boys are in college, cause we have big age gaps with our kids, but I would say like when my boys are in college, maybe next five or 10 years, maybe a talk show or something like that. But um, I think for me right now, television is a little bit on the back burner. Payroll is definitely on the front of, uh, on the front of my scope, especially because of the money and the investment that Heartland is pulling in, pouring into the payroll side of it. And then events, I think events are going to come back. But again, a lot of times I have to leave for three, four, five, six, seven days to go to California. And I'm just not interested in doing that. So I think a lot of regional events are in my future where I can drive maybe a one hour, two hour flight, but um, I don't want to keep going coast to coast too much anymore for events. So, well, we'll have to get you guys out to Spokane at least for one event to do one out here. We've got plenty of organizations that can use your skills and your wife can come too. Oh yeah. Oh get yeah. You guys, get you guys out on That's, the boat. Yeah. Yep. That would be great. I like when my wife can come with me. Yeah. So on the event, uh, I think I know the answer to this. Um, at least I'm putting two and two together and I think I'm getting four. But I know um, one of your kids, you, you're, you're big on helping CF, right? So cystic fibrosis. A lot of people don't know about the disease. Um, is that how your philanthropic side got kicked off or was it just that they came together? I'm sorry, Stephen. Say that one more time. So the, the philanthropic piece here. So I know one of your kids, you're, you're really involved with cystic fibrosis, right? So you guys are bringing awareness yeah. to that. Do you want to talk to that and sort of how you got involved in that philanthropy space? Sure. So um, our middle, so we have three kids. We have a 14 year old, a 12 year old, and then a six year old baby girl. So when our, so when our second son was born, he was born with a rare genetic disease called cystic fibrosis. It's like a chronic lung and pancreas disease. Um, mm-hmm. So at the time it was super scary because we didn't know. Cause I mean, if you would have read the internet at that time, you know, the average life expectancy was not good and, you know, we didn't know how long he was going to make it. Um, so we got really involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, also known as the CF Foundation. And then from there, we've just been really proactive in raising money for the CF Foundation. They've helped our kids tremendously with the, uh, the science and the research and just the advancements that they've made in medical treatments. So we have one big event each year here in Tennessee called Rock the Roses. Um, it's a private event with about 150 of our closest friends, family, and then like a handful of celebrities where we eat phenomenal Nashville hot chicken from Hattie B's. We, uh, have some phenomenal entertainment. Last year was Craig Wayne Boyd. This year was scheduled to be Jordan Smith who won the voice a couple years ago, 
But then, of course, this whole COVID thing happened. So we're in limbo right now, whether we're going to go virtual or just kind of roll it over next year. But that's our big event called Rock the Roses, and it's a really good time. That's awesome. That's very cool. So yeah. uh, part of our podcast is leadership. The other part of it is mental health and taking time mm-hmm. to obviously recuperate. Too. I mean, you're in a demanding job, it sounds like, a lot of balls up in the air. What are things that you do to kind of take intentional time? I know uh, you posted a video. Uh, it was the one where you were doing a little devotional in the morning, sitting sunrise, it looked mm-hmm. like. What, what are the, some of the things that you've implemented in your daily life to kind of refill your cup? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, Ben, my, my faith is super important to me. Uh, and it's, it's not like a blind faith. Like I, I've seen God work too many times and seen too many miracles for me to believe any other way. Um, so in a lot of ways, God's made it very easy for me to believe that he is real and that he's on my side. So to keep my mind stable, I always think like, Hey, uh, it's, it's probably better to start your day spending time with the creator of the universe before you start operating in the universe, you know, itself. So for me, that has been an absolute game changer. I would say that I've really, like everyone can read the Bible. Everyone prays. Everyone says, Oh, I go to church, whatever. All that stuff's great. But um, you know, when you really know somebody, you can only get to know somebody when you spend time with them. Uh, I know my wife so much more today than I did 14 years ago because we've spent 14 years together. Same thing with God. I love spending time with him, talking with him, getting to know him. Yes, through his word, reading the Bible, but more so like honestly talking to him like you and I are talking. And most people would be shocked at how eager God is to want to talk back to us. We just are so distracted or we don't believe or whatever the distraction is. We just don't carve out that time to spend with them. And for me, it has been an absolute game changer. And I would say I've, I've really devoted spending intentional time with the Lord about the last five years, um, maybe a little bit before that. But um, yeah, it's been, I mean, I could list story after story that would just blow people's minds, but that's, that's super important to me. I could, I'll, I'll say this too the days where I am distracted or I am super busy and I don't spend time with the Lord is completely different than the days that I do spend time with the, with the Lord in terms of peace, in terms of just kind of like a sound mind. Uh, it, it's a game changer because you could always make money. Uh, and your emotions can go up and down, but when you really have peace that no matter what happens today, you have this peace, you can't put a price on that stuff because you know, regardless of what you say your faith is, or, you know, even if you spend time with the Lord or you don't, life's still going to happen. Like none of us are immune to challenges, to changes. Uh, one man I like, you know, he said, you know, the, the same wind falls on us all, the wind of change, the wind of opportunity, the wind of adversity. None of us are immune to the winds that are going to come our way. The only thing we can do is, is the set of the sail. So how we set our sail will determine that direction. So just because I spend time with the Lord just because I believe or I pray doesn't mean that I still can't get a kid that has, is, that is sick when he's born. Doesn't mean that, you know, I'm still not going to have an argument with my wife or, you know, that unfortunately my mom's not going to pass away in 2004 like she did. Like 
I definitely don't have my ducks in a row and, and, you know, it's definitely not like a get out of jail free card or, Oh, I talked to God. So my life's better. It's not that it's, it's a, it's an inner peace of mind that regardless of what happens to me today, I got control over it. I have peace over it. And, um, it's, it's been a game changer. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So you touched on adversity there. You have like all of us, you've had adversity throughout your life, different things to deal with and, and overcome. Right. Um, and you look at them mm-hmm. as, obstacles as opposed to, to things that actually stop you as long as you're progressing. And I heard this story, obviously, when you've been on a bunch of calls with me and, and company, do you want to share sort of your story and moving from California to Nashville, not having the network that you had in California, starting over and sort of dealing with that adversity and what you've done since to be phenomenally successful. I mean, top, top performer within our company um, and beyond. Yeah, that would be more toward geared towards partnership because that's what um, that's what changed it for me. So what Steven said, when I left California and moved to Tennessee, nobody knew who Heartland was. Nobody knew who I was. I had no network. And plus I was from California and people here in the South, they don't take too kindly to these California boys. You know what I'm saying? It's like a good old boy town. So when I first got here, I basically went from being a top producer to a no producer. I went from doing maybe 30, 40,000 a month in sales to my first month here, I did like two or 3,000. Second month, I goose egg. Third month, I goose egg. Uh, it was not good. And um, what I did was I partnered with a credit card guy. So I sell payroll. Steven sells credit card services. I partnered with the local credit card guy. And he opened the door to me to all his clients, his business. And as I did a good job for them, it opened up their referrals for me. So then the deck reshuffled. Now I was getting all the referrals and I was referring him in. So that's what changed my career when I moved out here uh, was, was the partnership of the whole thing. So, I mean, most, most successful people uh, have not got there by themselves. Usually you need, you know, I always believe God uses p- people to promote other people. So, most successful people, if not all successful people, you'll know, you'll find that person that, that gave them that promotion or that, that handout to help them get, you know, to where they are. So true. So out of curiosity, since I'm a finance guy, and, and so I, I love numbers and I ask people about money all day long, like of your total household income, how much comes from doing movie and entertainment stuff in your event and how much comes from Heartland? Like what would be the percentage breakdown? Not like dollars necessarily, but... Yeah. In 2016, I would say that uh, it was about 80, 20, 80% uh, entertainment, television, 20% payroll. And then now it would be probably 75% payroll, 25% events, 0% Hollywood and TV. So everything ebbs and flows, you know, you got to be ahead of the curve. Um, I, you know, one of the books I read from Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, and yeah. Flow Quadrant, and he talks about how the trend is your friend and, and staying ahead of the trend. So, uh, right now the trend is not in Hollywood. <laughs> that that yeah. trend is dead for now. And what we're doing at Heartland and what we're doing in payroll, I feel like we've really been ahead of the game. And when you're ahead of that trend, that big wave will push you into, you know, exponential income. And that's kind of where I feel like we're at. So I'm, 
I'm riding this payroll wave pretty hard right now. Good. Well, well, you guys have a good opportunity in terms of your building equity in it as well, too. I mean, kind of like financial advising, but it's like you're building your book that you guys could eventually sell back to the company, too, which is nice, too. So you're not just getting yeah. your pay, but you're getting some net worth increase. Yeah, and this is kind of built off your question, too, Ben. I think in, you know, in 2021, 2022, of course, I don't have a crystal ball, but I believe that real estate is really going to go down. It's really going to, um, you know, decline. And here in Tennessee, there's a lot of land opportunity. So I really see my wife and I's real estate business that isn't even created yet. I see that really starting to come into play in 2021, 2022, because I think we're going to be able to buy really, really low. And then when you get into the, the mid-20s, 2024, 2025, if that stuff starts coming back, then we'll, that, that'll be the next wave that I see ourselves well, if nothing else, that's what I tell people is like you have the benefit of leverage at this point and super low interest rates, even if values aren't where you think they should be. I mean, you've got leverage that's going to be on your side. But Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're in opposite ends of this spectrum here. You're talking about real estate there going down in Spokane. And I think COVID's going to drive this even more now that people realize how easy it is to work remotely and still be productive. We've already had a trend yep. from Seattle, Portland, California, Boise, moving, selling a million dollar home down there, which is nothing more than a shack. It's like a shed. And they'll sell their million dollar home and they'll get half a million in equity and then come here to Spokane, buy a half million dollar yep. home. Now they're on four acres, living in a, a 3,500 square foot house. And it's like, well, how did this happen? <laughs> So we're going to see the opposite from you. We're going to see things here go up and there's already not enough inventory. So that's interesting that your yep. market and our market are so opposite. It, it is crazy. We don't get as, um, it doesn't spike as much in the South and in Tennessee as it would on the coast. Cause you know, you guys can make a lot more money quicker to where here it doesn't drop as rapidly as it would on the coast. So we're kind of like even Steven's pretty steady over here. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, I got one more question, Elisa, and then we'll let you get into camping world. So you mentioned kind yeah. of referrals, obviously, coming from uh, in relationships. Now, where do you say the majority of your business comes from? Purely referrals based off of clients, existing clients, and doing a good job demonstrating value. And then the second part of this is what are you doing right now in a time of COVID isolation, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it, to demonstrate value yeah. to people? to continue to grow your business and fill the top end of the funnel? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I'd say, you know, 50% of it still comes from, you know, our tagline at Heartland's called Stronger Together. That's if, if Steven and I do a deal together, if, if he referred me as credit card client and I do the payroll, that's called a Stronger Together deal. If I refer my payroll client to him and he sells them credit card, that's called a Stronger Together deal. So I'd say 50% is still coming from Stronger Together. That has not slowed down at all. And then the, you know, most of the other ones is coming from current client referrals, CPA referrals, financial advisors, uh, health insurance brokers. I've been really blessed to form good partnerships to where, you know, we have, we have deals coming in that we can, that we can uh, close together. So I, I honestly, I don't do that much prospecting anymore, which has been, I shouldn't say prospecting. I don't do that much cold calling anymore. I'm always okay. prospecting, but I don't have to, you know, cluster shopping centers and stuff anymore like I used to or 
pick up a phone list and, and cold call people. I don't do that too much anymore. It's strictly referral basis, which has been a blessing. And then, so what I've been doing now with, with this whole virtual COVID thing is I've always been a guy to where I've hated people who sell over the phone. I actually did a talk one time called payroll suicide, which basically the underlying tone was if you sell over the phone, that is payroll suicide. Do not sell over the phone, get face to face with them, get in person, then sell. Um, and now I've kind of had to, to, you know, modify that because no one's meeting face to face, even here in Tennessee, there's still probably half the States freaked out. So, but what we're doing here is zoom meeting. It's kind of like face to face. So I've been selling, a lot virtually to where six months ago I was really against it. Uh, now I've really embraced it and which I like because I've been comfortable with that, you know, doing that in, in like with TV stuff and stuff in the past, I'm comfortable in front of the camera. I'm comfortable having this conversation. So it's really paid off dividends because now I could have more meetings in a day. I, I don't have to drive. Yeah you know, from Nashville to whatever, Huntsville and Clarksville. By the way, why is everything Ville in <laughs> Tennessee? I don't get it. Tennesseeville. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah Tennesseeville. Um, I, I literally, you know, yeah. my, two, two weeks ago, I had six FTAs in one day. FTA stands for first time appointment to where if you have two FTAs in one day or, or wow, you had three FTAs today, that's a big deal. Now, you know, that one day I had six, which is next to impossible if you're doing traditional face-to-face because, you know, each meeting's an hour, that's six hours, plus with drive time, let's just say your drive time's 30 minutes, there's another three hours. Well, if you don't stop, get gas, eat, or go to the bathroom, that's a solid nine-hour day to where now I did six FTAs in four and a half hours with time to spare. It's it's a beautiful thing. Like if, if this, you know, things are going to stay virtual, you got to embrace that because you can make more money by, you know, setting more FTAs and getting more stuff done. So I've really embraced it. I like it because now I can sell payroll from, you know, being on the road at a lake in my fifth wheel, still make the same amount of money. <laughs> yeah. And obviously moving forward, we're probably all going to adapt to a hybrid model where, you know, we're still going to do our face-to-face. There's, there's, there's just influence centers that want to be face-to-face. And there's other people that are going to embrace this. And, hey, I don't need you to drive 30 minutes to come see me. And I'd rather not waste an hour when we can do it in 30 minutes over the, right. over the computer, right? So it's going to be a nice hybrid yep. model, I think, here moving forward. And I'm the same as you. It's kind of a heartland crux that we all believe we're better face-to-face. I'm better in person. Mm-hmm. And now that we've been forced outside of that comfort zone and I had to set up a home office, People thought I worked from home. I'm like, no, I work remotely. I'm in the car. I'm in coffee shops, yep. an office space downtown sometimes that I use. Now I had to set up a space at home and specifically have a place in the house to use. And that was a new thing for me. I didn't work from home. I worked remotely. And I'm embracing it now. I will say this, is I think, though, with the increased use of Zoom and the efficiency that can be built in, though, that you could potentially see greater burnout because people will be constantly grinding. So I think the idea of having to like have more strategic focus time where it's like you're focused on yourself, you're focused on your health, your mental health and doing those types of things that replenish your cup is going to become even more important if people do embrace this, you know, because technology has made us more efficient. It's made us expect things quicker. It's increased anxiety. It's increased depression. I mean, it's tied to a lot of things too that aren't necessarily good 
that we've said are for the sake of efficiency, right? It's like, hmm, it'll be yeah. interesting to see what the outcomes of this really are, positive and negative. Right. And I, I'm a hugger. I don't think there's anything better in the world than hugging. I get a hug for both of you guys when I see you. Um, and I miss that. If anything, just to that point, that fills my cup. Just seeing the people I know and care about, giving them a big squeeze and just feeling good. That's, that's the stuff I really miss yeah. in all of this. So. Absolutely. Well, it looks like you and I will be able to do that. Uh, where's the next one? Where are we going? Orlando. Diego? Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. The butthole of Florida. Orlando. Yeah. So Matt's so I'll see you in Florida here. Because you know I was supposed to go to Diamond Conference in early March, and then it got – that was the first event for me that got cancelled because of COVID. And at the time, mm. I was pretty upset about it. Well, you were probably more upset, Matt, because you're involved in part of the show, right? You're basically the MC at our, our awards dinner. Yeah, I, w I mean, at the time I was bummed that it was happening, but then the uh, I saw an article after that that the exact Omni Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, we were going to stay at, had like a COVID outbreak. So I'm like, thank God, oh my gosh. Go. I was yeah, yeah, it was like came out literally like like two days after, and I sent it to the <laughs> the president of our company. And I said, "Hey, thanks for making a wise decision." And I texted that to him, and yeah, so I was bummed when we couldn't happen, but I'm glad we didn't go for sure. I did the same thing. Yeah, as after hearing that news, we were both in the Omni Hotel. I know some other people were in the Marriott. And, I mean, we we basically take over downtown Louisville when we go there, and it's just just fun. So I got one more question for you, Matt, and then Ben and I can let you go mm -hmm. on the day. The okay. best business advice you've ever been given, and tell us who gave you it as well. Off the top of my head, it would have to be my mom, um, and she told me at a really young age. Never get too high on the highs, never get too low on the lows. And I think that ties into a lot with, you know, with, with Ben and talking about the mental health issue. So many people get caught up in the moment and they think that the chapter in their life is the story in their life. And that's not the truth. We have different seasons. We have different chapters and every single person goes through lows. And when you're in that low place, you need to get the hell out as fast as you can because then it starts to consume your mind. It starts to consume your identity. And then you believe, oh, well, this is just my lot in life. And, oh, God allowed this to happen to me for a reason. I don't believe any of that hogwash. All of us go through highs. All of us go through lows. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. That would, you know, that one came from my mom at a, at a young age. So that was the first thing that came well, to mind. If I knew you were I was going to say, if I knew if you were going to ask me that, I probably would have came up with, like, my best five quotes or something like that. Oh, God. But, uh, that's this is better, though, because it's more out. authentic and organic. And that's great advice, right? Yeah. I mean, I tell people that are getting into the industry, it's like, it's going to take so much longer than you want it to to become successful, right? It's like, you want it to happen in a year, but it takes five. It's like, the difference yeah. between those who are poor and wealthy, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, I'm generalizing here, is, right, financial education, an obvious one, but also patience. Most people quit too early because they think that it's not working. It's like, and they let yeah. the emotional high, the emotional lows get the best of them, and they quit in those emotional lows instead of pressing through it and getting to the success. Okay, what do you buy in the camping yeah. world? We've got most of our stuff that we need. Today, uh, we just need a hitch cover because it rains a lot here, and I don't want my hitch on the back of my truck getting rusty. So that's what we're getting from camping world. Okay, what do you drive? I appreciate you guys having me, though, man. What's that? What pickup is it? I got the – oh, you'll like this one, man. I got the uh, 
the new GMC 2020 AT4 3500 Duramax. Nice, buddy. Three-quarter ton or one ton? One ton, baby. What? Uh, one ton. Tennessee one ton, Bill? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tennessee ton. I love it. We appreciate you, Matt. Awesome. Um, we'll uh, we'll do some for promotion before this comes out, and then uh, – We'll uh we'll let you know and if we just tag each other and do do some fun things. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us some insight and tell and your wife thank you as well for chauffeuring you around. Is she having to sit in here and listen to us? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, she sat here and listened. Yeah. And Facebook. She never gets tired. Yeah. Hey, she she never gets tired of my words of wisdom, do you, babe? <laughs> That's because she imparted oh, them all to you, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, seriously. All right, man. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Let me know. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah talk to you later, Matt. Nice to meet you. All right. And everybody else, we appreciate you guys too. Please like, share, review, do all the things we ask you to do all the time on our social media. Uh, and until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. Now. Nah.